This is the Let's Go Win Podcast with your host, J.M. Ryerson. Hey, hey, what's happening, you guys? Welcome back to the Let's Go Win Podcast. You are here for a hot topic, and we have an amazing guest today. He is coming in at a very early morning time. Jamin Fraser is the founder of the Insecurity Project and specializes in helping entrepreneurs, leaders, and business owners eradicate insecurities so that they can show up to life unhindered by doubt, fear, and self-limiting beliefs. He's widely recognized as one of Australia's best life coaches and a leading voice globally on the subject of personal insecurity. Jamin is the author of Unhindered, The Seven Essential Practices for Overcoming Insecurity, Elegantly Simple Solutions to Complex People Problems, and The One-Minute Coach, based on the popular One-Minute Coach radio segment heard by over 750,000 listeners daily. Jamin, thank you so much for being here, brother. I love the subject. I'm so excited to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's great to talk. Well, and and talk is so important with the subject that we're we're about to discuss. How did you get into helping people overcome insecurities? Because we all have them. It's definitely, I don't know if this problem will ever go away, but I like that you are doing this work because so many people need the help. Yeah, sure. So about 12 or 13 years ago when I transitioned out of being a, a church pastor and a chaplain into being a coach, I was so excited about that transition and, and excited about stepping up to a broader uh, range of people that I launched straight into business. I decided I'm going to write a book. It was all so exciting, except the moment I actually did it, I opened up this uh, uncertainty in my life that I'd never experienced before and found this this massive insecurity. What if I can't? What if I fail? What if I'm no good? What if people reject me? What if I have nothing interesting to say? And I played in this safe world that I was secure in and to step out into the unknown, uh, it, it exposed it. And so I, I knew that I, I had two choices. I could either work out how to solve this problem in my life and, and then have a chance at continuing to move forward or retreat back to what was safe and known. And I thought, I've got to see if this is this is solvable because it was so intense and so paralyzing. And so that began a quest just personally, is the insecurity a solvable problem? Um, and, and thankfully I discovered that it was and that there were plenty of people who had found a way to change these lam- limiting narratives. Uh, it just seemed to me that no one had really modeled that process. So in my work of understanding how, I discovered that there were seven things that these people practiced in every case, whether they knew it or not. And so I thought if they could practice it, I could. And if I could, well, maybe then I could show others. And so that began a fascination with this. And then my desire to be useful to people and facilitate transformation rather than just behavior management, I realized it was never going to be about just dealing with the end product. It was it was always the world of beliefs and people people got stuck in limiting beliefs, and the worst of those limiting beliefs were always personal. They were always doubts, fears, insecurities. So I kind of got ruined for anything else quite quickly. Uh, and then four and a half years ago, pitched a flag in the sand and went, you know what, I'm actually just going to talk about insecurity. That's all. Uh, much to the you know chagrin of my business coach at the time who said, you can't do that. You know, People are insecure about being insecure, so no one's going to put their hand up and say, uh, help me, Jamin. Um, but I just thought so many people suffer greatly because they don't know this is a solvable problem. 
they think the best you can do is just manage it or mask it or, or medicate it. Uh, but I'm convinced that you can and not only can, you must. That's your most important adult work to free yourselves from the narratives of your childhood. So I thought it would be very unkind not to go wholehearted about this very important problem. Yeah, it is important. You know, it's fascinating. I think from a marketing standpoint, you know, they're always looking for the niche. Well, you found a niche in terms of insecurity, but yet it's it's so broad. Everyone on planet Earth, I think, has dealt with it at one point. I, I feel very confident saying that. Now, without completely giving away the seven things, but, you know, I would love to hear a couple of ideas so that we can give some tangible uh, things to tackle these insecurities. And, and as you're talking, I thought of that imposter syndrome and so many thoughts were in our heads. I would love to hear kind of a couple of the thoughts you had on those seven steps. Yeah, for sure. So let's start there. Let's start with the imposter syndrome because practice one, this is this is the, the path that anyone who has ever successfully eradicated insecurity, not just managed it, they followed these seven. So the first is to step into the light. Um, and that is to be very precise and specific about what it is you are actually dealing with because most people leave this fear in some kind of abstract form. And even the language of the, of, uh, the imposter syndrome is in some ways abstract and external. So I've had people tell me I struggle with the imposter syndrome but I'm not insecure, uh, which is like, wait, hang on a minute. Did you hear what you just said? Uh, imposter, the fear of being found out as not who you say you are, being exposed and somehow inadequate, yeah, that's insecurity. Uh, but the moment you call it a syndrome, you kind of think, no, that's outside of me. Mm. But when you when you step into the light, when you stop running, when you stop pretending you're not insecure, when you actually are willing to be here uh, and get clear about this, what, what you discover is the more precise you can be, the more useful you you can be in solving this problem. So most people think it's the fear of failure or the fear of rejection that's still very abstract. You can't solve those problems. Uh, it's actually a layer beneath that. It's it's the personal implications of failure or rejection. So it's not, you know, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of if I fail, what does that reveal about me? Oh, now it lets everybody know I am a failure. I am not good enough. I don't, I'm not afraid of rejection. It's that if I was to be rejected, what does that reveal about me? Oh, it reveals I'm not worthy of love. I don't belong. So we're actually most afraid of our own opinion of ourselves. Now, that's interesting because opinions are the lowest form of knowing anything, so therefore the easiest thing to change. <laughs> so when you realize this is actually just an opinion problem, you're like, okay, maybe there's something I could do about that. You go one step further and realize that those opinions actually began a long time ago uh, when you were a kid. So then you really get clear and step into the light and you realize all you are dealing with is the opinion of a scared or hurt or disappointed or upset child, and that opinion has has created a, a, a concrete reality just because it's been rehearsed and gone unexamined. So practice one, it's incredible, just that in itself, to get some eyes on what you were really dealing with and you'll discover it's just the opinion of a scared child, and that's a solvable problem every day of the week. Yeah, that's so fascinating because again, I you know whether we call them hardwires or these things that have been kind of heaped upon us, or we have we've just 
adopted them through language or generationally it's been passed down it's everywhere right and and we do bring it on so to step into the light to really that chatter jamin how do we get that to slow down is that part of one of the the seven practices because that you know that dialogue i'm talking about that just goes like this how do we slow that down a bit well well i think that um, ultimately, practice seven is to rewrite the story. And lots of times people want to rush there when they see my model. They go, oh, yeah, I get it. You can override the chatter. You can you can change this chatter. And they think, well, great, I can rewrite my story and I'll just start there. I'll I'll stick affirmations on my mirror or I'll, uh, you know, be really positive toward myself. I'll be kind. Uh, the problem is that until you actually deconstruct the structure of the old narrative, the moment you get tired, stressed, triggered, anxious, it just comes out and takes over like it has done at every other trigger point in your life. So, of course, you can change the chatter, but not through strategies, not by managing it, not by trying to override it. You change the chatter by examining what structure the chatter is based on. And it's it's based on opinions. It's based on assumptions. It's based on agreements. It's based on the meaning you've you've placed on difficult moments in your life as a child, I promise you, in every case. And you might be surprised when you get eyes on the origin of those things, they're always innocuous moments. You know, people think, oh, my goodness, it must mean I was abused in my childhood or I'm going to, I've got to go looking for big trauma. Obviously, sometimes that's there, but the point is it's the little things uh, because little things are always big things for a kid. You know, a kid doesn't get a bike for Christmas when they thought they were. That's that's a catastrophe and they personalize that they think oh that must mean that i didn't deserve it i'm not good enough uh, this is about me uh, so of course you can change the chatter but there is a process and you have to get eyes on where that chatter started why it started and go back and review the data uh, around that so you can set yourself free and don't have to manage it anymore yeah so often i hear people say to do the work put in the work and and that work I guess is maybe that scary part for people to confront whatever, again, you use the word opinion. So these opinions that have now formed your self-limiting belief, perhaps these insecurities, how does one decide to actually do the work and not allow their insecurities to keep them from doing it? Because so often the people that most need that, they don't want to confront that. That's scary as can be. Do you have any suggestion for that, Jamin, of just being yeah. able to say, you know what, I understand it's scary to you and it sounds frightening, but there's so much good on the other side. Do you have any thoughts yes. on that? Of course. So practice three is to stack the pain. So anyone who's ever solved the insecurity problem has done so from a place of great pain. Um, pain is a loving voice designed to help us change. So the interesting thing around uh pain is you can increase pain by what you pay attention to. So insecurity is ruining your life, whether you're aware of it or not. Uh, however, if you pay attention to that and did an accurate cost assessment, once you realize, yeah, there's some opinions you've you've got from your childhood, from your upbringing that you've not questioned, you haven't gone back and reviewed, those opinions are actually ruining your life. They're undermining your relationships. They're weakening your sense of value, which is causing you to leave money on the table. Uh, it's causing you to show up needy and desperate. It's affecting your health. Like get eyes on the cost and do an accurate assessment. Uh, then you actually create a massive pain case for here. So sure, yeah, of course there's pain involved in change. 
but now there's more pain involved in staying here. So typically it's the other way around. People kind of have more pain linked to change and therefore naturally more pleasure linked to here. But if you, you've stacked the pain uh, and accurately understand the impact, well, then now here is really painful and whatever pain is involved in change is less than uh, what you're currently experiencing compounding into the future if you don't change. You had a beautiful quote that you said, and I was trying to ga- gather, <laughs> but it was about pain. Can you repeat that one more time? Because I thought it was really profound. A pain is a loving voice. It's your most honest voice designed to help you give get motivation to change. So you put your hand on the fire, it's supposed to hurt. You feel bad about yourself, that's supposed to feel bad. Like low self-esteem is supposed to hurt. That's the design. And that pain is designed to say, hey, listen, maybe let's do something about this so you don't feel like this tomorrow. So rather than avoiding pain, which is a tendency, if you understand its purpose and stack it, which is counterintuitive, I understand, um, but then you get to stop the rot because you are directed to go, I must. I This is not an option. I can't live another 10 years in my head with this chatter undermining me, weakened by these opinions and fears and narratives. I must face this. I must find out if this is true or if this is just something I've made up. Man, I it's so good. And actually, I was just reading the other day. Somebody was like, "You don't really understand life without death," and that's kind of what I like this this idea of that negative, that thing that we so much want to avoid. That is actually our path to that light. I, it's. I mean, I could ask you questions for days, but it seems like I'm going one to seven to three, <laughs> maybe right. sequentially. There's a reason you wrote the book. I'm just going to open it up, Jamin, and allow you just a free reign here because I don't know the best question to answer to make it fit appropriately other than I want people to hear what you're saying. I think so much value of what you wrote. What is just open form thoughts when it comes around the subject of insecurity what do you want to really leave the audience with? And then I'll follow up with how they can find you, of course. But uh, what, what do you want to leave people with when it comes around this subject? Um, lots of people ask me about whether, whether they can help their kids avoid developing insecurities. And sure, when they, they think about the insecurity project, they think about themselves, but they think, oh, my goodness, insecurity is such a problem. I've got to prevent my kids from being insecure. So I think um, that's not possible and, and nor is it desirable, interestingly, um, because n- not even a perfect parent prevents their child from establishing limiting beliefs about themselves. And however, to your point around the value of negatives, um, the, the gift of the wounded child is the path for healing and maturity of the adult. The fact that there is healing to do on yourself is your opportunity for maturity and growth. You go into the gym to find resistance to build strength. So you actually wouldn't want there to be wholeness from the start. The fact that there is work to do, that is your opportunity to go back and understand love, to understand change, to understand meaning by working on your own self. So like, not only is insecurity a solvable problem, it is a gift to you, the fact that there is insecurity there. People are terrified about it and I think the human condition is, we want to be good, like we're desperate to feel good about ourselves, to be seen as good, but we're afraid that we're bad. We're afraid if we're laid bare, we'd be exposed as somehow bad, lacking, inadequate. And so for fear of that badness ever fully being exposed, we either run or we hide. 
we find these safe pockets of the world where we never extend ourselves so there's no eyes on us so we could never be found out or go on these heroic quests to prove our goodness by what we can do and achieve and perform. Um, I'm suggesting both of those two are forms of madness. Uh, the alternative is to turn and face and examine your your nature. What if what if your fear of being bad is actually all a misunderstanding? What if, as a kid trying to make sense of life, you personalised pain negatively toward yourself and, and formed some assumptions that were limited, that, that were flawed from the beginning, but you've never gone back and reviewed the data? So, like, it seems strange to me that people get such fear built toward this work, but it is beautiful work. It is natural work. It is... It is your most important work if you don't free yourself from these narratives and update the blueprint you're living out of. It is a journey into madness for you and it's it's a weakening of the collective consciousness of the planet. So, um, you know, just the, the, the message to people that it is solvable and, and you must <laughs> for the sake of the planet, you must. If you don't, all your best energy is directed toward proving yourself and defending yourself. That's ugly. It's destructive. It tears people apart. Um, you, you, you show up with nothing to prove and nothing to defend, and you bring your gift to the world. And then through that, the collective consciousness of the planet is increased. Uh, and if ever we needed that, the, the time is now. Yeah, I think that's well said. And that's such an interesting idea with the kids. And I understand what a parent is asking, but that's kind of like uh, if you have, let's say, billions of dollars, you will see often these people look, if you want to give your child a gift, don't give them all that money, but rather have them earn their own stripes. And that's the easiest analogy I can give to to folks listening is, and again, this is not, no offense to anyone out there, but you don't want to create that trust fund, baby. Rather, you want someone that wants to continue to make the world a better place. I thought that was so unique and interesting that that's a question you get often. And I understand as a parent, wanting that best for your child, but they have to go through pain. They have to go through these things. Otherwise, they are weak. Oh, of course. Your best chance to be useful as a parent is to model change yourself, is to demonstrate it is possible to change the story you find yourself in. Let them see you do it so they know when it comes time for them to update their narratives and review. There is a precedent. It is possible. Demonstrate security. Demonstrate you've overcome your own fears. Don't run away from it. Don't put your life on hold to serve them and somehow try and protect them and create this false world for them. Live your life and model it. Model it's possible. That's your gift to your kids. That's per- it's brilliant. I love it. Jamin, I, I could go on for hours on this subject. We don't have it, but I would love for people to know where to reach you. What's the best way to maybe interact with you, find your books? I, I, I think this is such an interesting, fascinating, and wonderful subject that you're helping people out with. Yeah, thank you. Uh, if you Google the Insecurity Project, you'll find me. You'll find my website um, on the socials, um, Insta, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, if you can spell my name, Jamin Fraser, I'm the only Jamin Fraser in the world as far as I can tell, uh, and that'll take you straight to me and and my books. Uh, my podcast is also the Insecurity Project, which is another way of diving into this process of actually understanding insecurity as a solvable problem. Brother, I know it's like 2 a.m. your time. I cannot thank you enough for being here, having such a brilliant way about you and in this bright light in in sometimes this dark world. But 
man, I got to tell you, it's, it's just such a fascinating subject. And you, you really make me rethink some of the insecurities. Maybe it's not such a bad thing. It's something to embrace to a degree. And I, I so appreciate the conversation today. Uh, thanks so much for having me. It's, it's been a joy. You guys share this with anybody, please, because we all deal with insecurity. It's a fact. It's okay. So share this. Get it out there. People like Jamin are on this show. I want more people to hear what these amazing people have to say. They can help you as much as Jamin did today. So until next time, remember your mindset matters. We will talk to you then. Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. That helps us build this community, and that is what we are all about. Building this community as big as we can, helping as many people as we can, and deliver as much value as possible. Be sure to head over to letsgowinpodcast.com for information on my coaching courses, and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Let's Go Win 365. Let's go win and transcend in life. This is the Let's Go Win Podcast with your host, J.M. Ryerson.